we're in week three of a series. It's been, um, I want to say interesting, it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's necessary. We're talking about moving past our past, so we're not always stuck there, so we're not trying to get ahead by looking backwards so that we know what's going on. The first week, we talked about labels and how, how to break those labels, how to get rid of that, how to maybe get the new label. Um, last week, we talked about forgiving, forgiving those who hurt you. Difficult topic for many, but extremely important. If you didn't hear those... You can go online. Um, we're on iTunes. It's uh, also iloveourchurch.com or journeyinourchurch.com. We're still putzing with those websites. But the link for the sermons is on there. They're free. You can listen to them anytime. So for today, let me ask you, I need a little bit of audience participation again. Um, just a show of hands. How many of you have, um, have had someone let you down, hurt your feelings, been inconsiderate to you? Keep, keep them up betrayed you. How many of you have had that? It looks like just about everybody. Don't raise your hands for this, okay? How many of you, you were that person to somebody else? That's a little tougher. We don't necessarily want to think about that. And one of the reasons is because it's easier to be a victim. It's easier for it to be somebody else's fault, right? But it is often our fault. So what do you do when you've hurt somebody? Jesus talked about this many times, but he talked about this very specifically in a very important message, the the Sermon on the Mount. But um, in, in this one section of it, after he gets done with that, the Beatitudes, the blessed are those who, you know, whatever, um, he has this little section about relationships, and he's going to talk about relationships, and he's saying things like, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder, and then he goes around and turns it upside down for us and says, but I say, don't even hate someone else, and he's, he's, doing, he's moving into this section on relationships, and in Matthew 5, starting in verse 23, he says this, Therefore, in this relationship context, if you are offering a gift at the altar... Now, we don't do that like that here. Uh, An altar was where they sacrificed animals. I had somebody ask me, you don't have an altar in your church. It's like, no, because we don't sacrifice animals (laughs) in our church. (laughs) Um, Because Jesus took care of that. We don't have to do that anymore. But if we put that into our context today, it would be... You're going to church because they were sacrificing. They were worshiping. And so we would come here together to worship. So that's the context we would see it in. If, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're going to church, maybe you haven't put your offering in the basket yet, in the back. We don't take an offering, and that's by design. I'll talk about that later. But um, he says, if you're doing that, and there, right there, you're up front, you know, you're, you're, what, you're right at church, and there you remember that your brother, what does it say, has something against you. It doesn't say it's big, doesn't say it's small. It says you're going to church to worship, and you realize it dawns on you that somebody has something against me. And when you realize that, when, when that light comes on and you realize you were the one who let somebody down, you were the one who hurt somebody's feelings or betrayed somebody or lied to somebody, when you realize that Jesus says in verse 24, leave your gift there. First, go be reconciled to your brother. 
then come and offer your gift. This is huge. The, the verb tenses in this passage, um, the, the, they're letting us know that this is something that you need to do right now. You need to make that decision and do it right now. In fact, it's, it's, it's what the, the Nike slogan would be like, just do it. That's what this means. But it also suggests a very intense effort, that it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a hard road to do this. But what you have to do is leave your gift there. You stop right there and go and be reconciled to your brother. This is interesting because this is like the only time I know of that Jesus says, oh, and by the way, worship, very important. Worship God, very important. There's something more important. Relationships. Because we know worship is a biggie, but this is a priority over worship. You say, how can you say that? I didn't. Jesus did. He says, when you're doing that, if you realize that, go take care of it restoration of a broken relationship. It's like he's saying, don't come in here and do your little church thing. You know, raise your hands, bopping if that's your style, you know, whatever. Amening when somebody, when the pastor says that. Don't go do your religious act thing when you're not loving and working hard to bring reconciliation to your relationships. That's a priority. Jesus also said in the, in the same chapter, chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, when you hear that, you may hear something different than he's saying. Because there's two things. There's peacemakers and there's peacekeepers. And they're very different. Peacemakers, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Here's the thing about peacemakers and peacekeepers. Peacekeepers, often, if you're taking notes, this is in your notes, often avoid confrontation to keep peace. They just just want to keep the peace. Now, it's not bad to be a peacekeeper, okay? It's way worse to be an instigator, you know, a troublemaker, a pot stirrer. That's not good. Um, But Jesus says, hey, don't just be a peacekeeper. Because that's what some of us are in our relationships with coworkers, family, friends, whatever. It's like, you know, we say, yeah, let's not fight about it. Let's just pretend everything's okay. And really what we're saying is let's not acknowledge that every, every year when we get together with family, there's this tension, there's this elephant in the room, and let's just kind of fake it and act like it's okay, get through it. That's peacekeeping. See, we all really know deep down that this relationship that's messed up is not where it's supposed to be. But we're saying, I just don't want to fight. I don't want to have obstacles. I don't want to go through bad time. Let's just be peacekeepers. And Jesus says, no, peacemaking is far better. Because peacekeepers often avoid confrontation to keep peace. Peacemakers embrace confrontation to make peace. Now, that does not mean they like it. I know people who like confrontation. That's not what this is. This is saying there's a hard road that I have to go down in order for there to be peace. And Jesus says, go. Before you offer your gift, go. He says, initiate it. Try. 
You know, apologize, do whatever it takes, even if you have to work through some very difficult things to make peace where there is no peace. And we react differently to these things depending on our context because, you know, at work I might be more of a, of, of a peacemaker and, and saying the hard things that need to be said and doing that. But at home, it's very easy to just want to be a peacekeeper and to not want to fight and to not want to even do what's necessary. Julie and I have a really good relationship. We've been married. It, it's coming up on 36 years. There might have been a couple disagreements. <laughs> And um, Julie is one that she wants, let's get this done. We don't need to have this hanging over us. Let's just get it done. I have to say, I have memory of her um, one night coming and crawling to me on her hands and knees and saying, get out from under that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. (laughs) See, sometimes at home, you just want to be the peacekeeper. But that's not, what, that's not what changes relationships. So we want to be peacemakers and be willing to endure and to embrace confrontation. She's not here. She got stuck in our driveway, but I got permission to say that before um, I came up here, just so that you know. Um, we need to do what it takes to make peace. I want to give um, you what I consider the friends and the enemies of peacemaking. And if you're taking notes, this is huge. This is a big deal. There is a great enemy and a great friend to peacemaking. The greatest enemy to peacemaking is pride. See, she just realized there was somebody she had to... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The greatest enemy to peacemaking is pride. By far, in a way, it's the biggest problem. No elbowing anyone next to you. If you're saying, see, I knew you went, good thing we came here. Okay, God brought you here today. You're the one who needs to hear this. They might too, but that's not your thing. The greatest enemy to peacemaking is pride. The greatest friend to peacemaking is humility. Proverbs 11.2 says this. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. We could talk for hours, we could go for hours just reading the verses in the Bible about humility and about pride. It is such a huge thing. Pride is what keeps us from making peace. Pride is what keeps us from having reconciliation and having those relationships what they should be. Pride says, I'm not going to apologize. I didn't do anything, it's not my fault. Most relationships. With ongoing struggles, I talk to a lot of people with relationship issues. Every single one of them, um, I would say every single time I've ever talked to people who there is uh, an issue, everybody is partially at fault. Even if it's only 1% wrong, you're 1% wrong. You're not responsible for the other person. The Bible says as far as it depends on you, Do everything you can to stay at peace with people you love. So I'm serious. If you've only done 1% of the wrong and the other person is 99% wrong, you know what your responsibility is? To own your 1%. To apologize for your 1%. Just for the record, helpful little tip from experience. When you're having that conversation with the person, don't bring percentages into it. (laughs) You know, well... 
I'm like 1% or 2%, but you might be 98% or more. Don't do that. It doesn't work. I'm just saying. It might be from experience, okay? I've talked, as I said, I've talked to a lot of people. In relationship counseling, here's what's funny to me. Every single time I've ever talked to people, when I talk to one of the, the, the two individually, it seems I am always talking to the innocent half of the couple. No matter which half I'm talking to, I'm always talking to the innocent half of the couple. You know what that is? That's pride. Humility, on the other hand, says, you know what? I do own part of this. I actually have been wrong, and I'm going to be faithful before God, and I'm going to humble myself. And here's what happens when you humble yourself. You elevate the relationship above yourself. And even if you're feeling like you're right, what you do, what you're saying in this is, I love this person more than I love being right. Because too many people love being right more and they throw the relationship away. Because that's more important to them. That's pride. Now, if I just said, that's what you need to do. You're dismissed. Go do that. It would not end well. I want to give you the how. Just what's a good way to do that? How to apologize with integrity. Whether you were the 99% wrong or the 1% wrong doesn't matter because let's be honest, there's a right way to apologize and there's a wrong way to apologize. Don't do this. Let's just say someone's apologizing to you today because they realize there's been an offense and they come to you and they apologize. Don't pull out your notes. You skipped number two, you jerk. There's five things here. You messed up. Don't do that, okay? It won't help. Give the other person grace. That's what we do in this situation continuously is we give grace like we talked about last week because we have been given grace. But let's talk specifically because there is a wrong way to apologize, don't ever say to someone, if I did anything to hurt you, I'm sorry. That's not an apology. It's a cop-out. That's so that your pride enables you to say, I apologize. No, you didn't. You just said, if I did anything, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm, what we're really saying is, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you big fat baby. That's what we're saying. You shouldn't have been hurt, but I have to apologize, so I'm sorry you got hurt, is what we're saying. That's being a jerk, okay? That's not what we're going to do. So here's five specific things. If you're taking notes, if you're not, you should be. How do, how do you do this? How to apologize with integrity? The first one, admit to specific actions and attitudes. Admit to specific actions and attitudes. And we need to get specific because there is something very powerful. There is something very healing when you say, here's what I did. And you name it. You say, I'm, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm sorry I lied to you. I'm sorry I didn't call. I said I was going to call and I didn't. I'm sorry I ignored your feelings. There's something about being very specific and naming that. Um, this is not up on the screen, but in James 5, it says this. We say this around here all the time. You know, the revealing of feeling is the beginning of healing thing. In James 5, 16, that's where that comes from. And it says this. Confess your sins to each other 
in the context of that relationship, it doesn't mean tell everybody. But there are issues. When you have a sin, you have to apologize. You have to acknowledge that. It says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When it says that, when it says confess, that word, that, that word is very specific. It means to say the same thing about something. It means to acknowledge, like when I confess my sin to God, what I'm doing is saying, yes, that's sin. I'm acknowledging it. I'm saying the same thing about that thing as, as God does. I'm, I'm openly declaring without reservation and no holding back saying, that was wrong. I'm admitting that. I'm confessing that. When we do that, healing can take place. When we do that in those relationships, healing can take place. And I know some of you here are saying, but I really didn't do anything. I didn't do anything here. I believe some people need to apologize for not doing anything. Because I believe, honestly, it's often what we didn't do that calls for an apology. Theologians talk about this. They break the sin, sin into two categories. They say sins of commission, which means you committed that sin. And then there's sins of omission. The things that we should have done, but by not doing them, we were actually sinning. And I am convinced that there are so many relationships that would be healed if we would apologize specifically for what we didn't do. And maybe in some cases it's like, I, I wasn't there for you. I should have been. And I wasn't there for you. Or I should have protected you. And I didn't. Or I know that I didn't engage emotionally with you like you needed. Or I took you for granted. It's not that you did something wrong. It's that you didn't do something that you should have done. So the first thing is admit to specific actions and attitudes. Here's the second thing, very big. Don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. You, every, all what you've worked for gets thrown away the minute you make an excuse because it's very easy to blame the other person for what you did. And you say, I would never do that. We do it all the time. I'm, I'm sorry I did that. I only did it because you did this. <laughs> I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been that way, but I was that way because you didn't do this. We're making excuses for our response. Now, it may be perfectly true that they did or didn't do something they should have done. That's not your thing. Your thing is not making excuses for your part of it. So you admit to specifics. You don't make excuses for it. And here's the third thing. Accept the consequences. Because there are always consequences. They might show up right away. They might show up later. But when we do something we shouldn't do or don't do something we should do, there will always be consequences. You might have hurt somebody because you gossiped about them. And you can go to them and you can admit that and you can not make excuses and you can just say, I'm the, I, I did that. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be really slow to trust you again. Because you broke the trust. There are consequences, and we have to accept the consequences. You know, a 17-year-old kid that drives home drunk asks for forgiveness. I was wrong. Is he forgiven? Yes. He's also not driving for three months. 
because there are consequences to behavior. A lot, you lie to somebody. Again, it's like before. You lie to somebody, you admit that, don't expect them to trust you the same way they did before right away. That has to be earned back. There are consequences, and we have to accept that. So we admit to specific actions and attitudes, don't make excuses. We accept the consequences, and here's number four. Too many people don't do this one. Change your behavior. Don't yell at them, and then apologize for yelling, and then turn around and yell at them again. You understand what they think of your apology when you do that. Don't, don't cuss somebody out. I'm really sorry for cussing. And then cuss them out again. That's not how it works. Or, I'm sorry I haven't been home much. I know business has been taking me on the road, and I'm sorry for that. And then you turn around next week and increase your travel time away from home. We have to change our behavior if we're going to make this stick, if we're going to make relationship works, if there's something you're not doing you should or something you're doing that you shouldn't do, and, and we accept those consequences, now we have to change the behavior. And maybe you say, yeah, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Well, it's time to try it the right way then. You get an accountability partner. You get into a small group. You get help. You get counseling. You apologize, but then you change. And we have this little thing on Mondays called celibate recovery for hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And it can help you make that change in your behavior that you're looking to make. So we admit to specifics. We don't make excuses. We accept the consequences. We change our behavior. And then there's the fifth thing. And I believe this is potentially for many. This is like the moment of transformation. The fifth thing is ask for forgiveness. Don't just say I'm sorry. I remember I said one time I had done something wrong. I said something to somebody years ago. I, was like, I think I was even still in high school. And I said, I was sorry. And you know what they said to me? Yep, you are certainly one sorry guy. <laughs> That's what they heard when I said I was sorry. So was I sorry? Yeah, I was sorry, but, but I was sorry. That's not what we say. So you say it, but don't just say it. Add to that what I think are some of the most powerful words in the human language. They get right to the heart of the gospel of Jesus. And that is, we look at someone else and we say, I'm sorry, but we say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? We say that. We say those words to them. Is that hard? Absolutely, it's hard. Remember, pride will keep you from doing that. The only way for that to happen is humility. But that's how the relationship's going to get restored. It's tough and it hurts, but it's necessary. It's necessary for reconciliation, it's necessary for great relationships. Saying, I was wrong. I, I remember the first time I said this to my kids. As a dad, you want, them, you want them to think that you're amazing, you know, and you never make mistakes. And I remember the first time I looked at my kids and I said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. It was like, what? <laughs> I think Julie wanted to say, can I write that down? Can I record this? <laughs> you know? 
we need to get used to saying that. Saying I was wrong is hard. I almost brought a clip for you to play, but I decided not to. Some, it's just you got to be way too old to get this. If you ever watch the TV show Happy Days, Fonzie, the, the, I was going to wear my leather jacket today for Fonzie, the motorcycle guy, you know, hey, he could not say that. And there's a clip of him. You can go YouTube it later. It's hilarious. He, want, he did something, or he, said, he gave advice that was not good. And so he says, don't do that. He says, I, I have to say, I was wrong. And he said, what? He said, I was, I was, and he tries like five times and can't get it out. And he says, I was not right. (laughs) He says, you mean you were wrong? I I was not right. (laughs) And he just couldn't say it. And I know that for a lot of us, that's a problem. We're going to practice. Okay? Repeat after me. I I was was wrong. wrong. I heard some of you. (laughs) Let's try it again. I was wrong. See, you can do it. It's hard, but you can do it. You can't do it if pride is there, though, because there will always be a but. When pride is in there, I was wrong, but you did this. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew 5. Let's look at that again. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, I mean, you're coming to church to worship God, or you're going to your small group, or you're doing something, and you're going to worship Him, and there you remember that your brother or your sister, okay, your, your friend, your relative, whoever has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. I mentioned earlier Romans 12, 18. I don't think I had it up on the screen then. If it is possible, which it's not always possible to be at peace with everybody, but if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. That means you're going to be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. And will it always work? Nope, because it doesn't all depend on you. It depends on them. I would say... Every time in my life, except once, when I said, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Every single time except one, they said yes. One time, they said no. I had been on the snowmobile with my son. I mean, he had his snowmobile, and I had a snowmobile, and we're snowmobiling. And we ride in the ditches, and he said, look at that. Let's go over here in the field. And I said, no, you don't ride in the field. That's not our property. You can't do that. So... We rode in the field, <laughs> and my snowmobile died in the field. Literally, Dan says, I, I think it was out of gas. Dan says, I'll go get gas. So he goes to get gas, and um, it was like 30 seconds later, car pulls up. It's a pickup truck. Pulls up. This guy who owns the field. What you doing out there? Ran out of gas. He says, you know, you're not supposed to be driving in there. I know, you know. We, had, we, we ended up talking for an hour. And about ten times, I said, I know, I know this is bad. I shouldn't have done this. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And he looked at me out the window. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great conversation. He never did forgive me. But almost every other time in my life, it's worked. And I have a feeling that although it would not be difficult and it may not work, work perfect, when you, when you follow these guidelines and when humility becomes the main thing instead of pride, you can begin the restoration of relationships. P. 
peace with everyone. You see, some of you first, you, ha- you need peace with some people, and you know their names because the names already came to your head. But some of you need peace with yourself. And some of you, it all starts, all of this starts with peace with God. You have to have peace with God first. And what we do is we admit to ourselves and to God that we were wrong, that we're sinners. We don't make excuses. We just admit it. We confess it. And then we realize that what would have been our consequences, he's taking on the cross. And we can have that relationship with him because he paid for it on the cross. And I can come to him and I can say, I was wrong. And I can confess that I'm a sinner. And I can say, but I believe, although the consequences of sin are death, that Jesus paid for that on the cross. You'll never get a better deal than that. And to come to Jesus and say, I don't completely understand that, but I want in on that. I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. And you establish that relationship with God through Jesus so that you have him with you when it comes time to work on those other relationships. When it comes time to to have reconciliation in those relationships, you're not going in alone. You're going in with the grace giver so that he can help you in those relationships. So we start there. If you've never started there, today's your day. We're going to pray in a minute, and in simple faith, all you have to do is tell that to Jesus. I'm a sinner. I recognize that now. And I believe that what you did on the cross paid for my sin. And I accept that. I'm turning my life over to you. I want your power. I want your forgiveness. I want to have that forgiveness and that purpose in my life that you called me for. And maybe for some of you, when we get done here, you you have something you need to take care of. You're going to need to talk to somebody. You're going to need to go and you're going to need to say it. Sometimes that's not possible. I understand that. You have to work that out with God because sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes a person's gone. Sometimes the relationship is such that it would cause way more trouble because maybe they don't even know you hurt them. You know you did. So you don't need to go to somebody and say, oh, by the way, I thought you were a jerk. They, they don't need to know that now. If they don't know that, then that's something you need to work out with God. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, I know that it's a very difficult, it's a difficult thing to admit these things, to confess these things, um, because pride gets in our way so much. I pray that we would be able to have that same humility that Jesus did as he humbled himself as the Lord, the creator of the universe, humbled himself, that we would have that same mind as Jesus so that we could have the the restoration begin in some of these relationships and in some of the family and friend stuff that maybe we didn't think was possible, but because of you, it can begin. And Father, if there's anybody listening to this that's never yet come into that relationship with you and had that restored first, that they're not at peace with you, that in simple faith today that they would turn to you, that they would recognize their sin and claim what Jesus did on the cross. They accept that it was for them. And in humility, accept you.
Father, thank you for what you're doing here, for what the work you're doing in us of restoration. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. I cannot wait for that day. But that reminded me of a poem. I'm not a real poem guy, okay? So I'll screw it up, but that's okay. To dwell above with saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. To dwell below with saints we know. That's another story. (laughs) We're actually practicing here for eternity. So let's practice. Let's, Let's be able to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And let's do that, right? And let's start restoring some of those relationships. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for being the one who took the initiative. I pray that we would be like that. That when we recognize things, we would take the initiative. That we would, we would go to those we have wronged. And we would be able to, in, in a correct, godly manner, begin the, the restoration of those relationships. Begin the reconciliation process. I pray that we would be able to move pride out of the picture, that, that we would be characterized by humility. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.